Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. This episode, we revisit our budget stealth build and look at some of the new hardware out there, including Coffee Lake. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren King. Dennis, a couple of months back, we finished one of our more interesting builds. We built a stealth build, as you recall. And folks, when we built this machine, we had positioned it initially as a working PC, a render farm, if you will, or at least for the purpose of uh, crunching software. Yeah, so we were doing a lot of YouTube videos at the time. The idea was that we could have the project placed out on the network. This machine would go and pick up that project, do the render for us in the background, and allowing our main PCs to go and do other work. Well, the nice advantage of that is it was intended really to be small, out-of-the-way, quiet machine that works for a living. So we built this PC and we showed it off a couple months ago. And I really want to encourage you guys to check out the build logs because one of the more unique things about this and the reason that we call it a stealth build was because we repositioned an OEM computer case to hold this high-end hardware. Yeah, it was an old HP pavilion. So what we wanted to do is show folks out there that if you have these older PCs and these older cases, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to throw out everything that you have. And things that you don't normally want to spend money on, like a case, could wait for later, allowing you to spend your money on more important pieces of the build. So Dennis, maybe you can refresh folks' memory and just give us a quick rundown on what was in that machine hardware-wise before we talk about the new plan. All right, let's see. That build was in an HP Pavilion chassis, which was a micro ATX motherboard form factor. I think it had a Core 2 Quad 6600 in it originally. So when we first bought this machine, it was actually a refurb from HP, and it was designed to be a home theater box. So it had all kinds of home theatery stuff in it. Oh, yeah. It had multimedia ports on the front. It had a couple of card readers, which I had to leave there, but I put another card reader in the top so we could pull video off of our SD cards and stuff like that. But we uh, dropped in an EVGA X99 micro motherboard, and it had a, a small Silverstone SFXL 500 watt power supply running the whole thing. I used a Sidon 140 for the cooling system. That's what took the most of the mod. So we had to cut the top out for the 140 millimeter hole for the fan and the radiator was in there. We were running some HyperX memory and a 5960X, the Extreme Edition six core processor. And if I'm not mistaken, we overkilled the RAM a little bit also. So some very expensive, what's it, PC4K memory? or Yeah, it was DDR4 3000 memory. It was a quad-channel kit, really super fast. It was really designed mostly for high-end gaming and mild overclocking. Definitely not what we needed for a render machine, but it's what we had in the lab. Yeah, and some of the fun was just to try to run that high-end hardware in that chassis, which was our limitation. So an interesting challenge. We had intended to come back to that build a little sooner, but the time has passed now, and we've decided to revisit this build. So I challenged Dennis to take this render build and turn it into a more budget-friendly gaming machine. And to do that, of course, that meant that some of that really expensive hardware, like the processor, wasn't a good fit because, let's just face it, you can't have your processor cost more than your whole build and really have it be a very practical build at all. Right. And to be fair, we wanted to kind of put that processor to work back on the bench again. What we wanted to keep is really where we should start, right? Yes, yes. So obviously we want to keep the case because it's small. It's kind of cool looking. The cooler has already been modded in place. If we took the cooler out, then we'd have to do another mod for another cooler. And it's an awesome cooler. It's 140 millimeters. It kept that uh, extreme edition processor really cool. And really quiet. And really quiet. 
uh, we're going to keep the motherboard too because you know it's already in there. So and really a great motherboard, really perfect for our new purpose, which was to build a more mainstream gaming machine. Basically, the only thing we need to change is uh, memory. So we'll be swapping in a different kit of memory and probably a 5820K Core i7, which is basically the low-end 28-lane Haswell E processor. So now that's an i7K processor. So how does that fit into our reduced budget window, though? Because I think folks out there are going to be going, wait a minute, that sounds expensive. (laughs) Well, that was the $380 CPU when it first came out, and I'm seeing them now used on eBay for like $200, $240. So we can pick up one of those relatively inexpensively, And of course, they're already end of life, so you can't get a new one from Intel. Technically, they're still under warranty, but, you know, if you buy one used, then it's out of warranty anyway, so. Perfect. Now, we also talked about changing out the RAM, and one of the reasons for that is we didn't need the 32-gig kit of high-speed RAM. No. So we're looking at a cheaper, more mainstream, maybe a 2133-level kit. Yeah, and probably 16 gigs is going to be plenty. As far as budget is concerned, what we're really talking about then is putting in about $100 worth of RAM, give or take, and about $250 worth of processor. And then probably repurpose that 970 out of your old machine mm-hmm. to be the um, the gaming GPU. So that way it can be a, a budget gaming rig re- using repurposed hardware. And in terms of cost, you've already consumed the cost of the video card. So we're just looking at 300 and some odd dollars. Perfect, which is a great price to be upgrading a PC. Now, if we added in the price of the motherboard, We'd be talking about a core upgrade that's uh, probably still under $600, which is kind of what we shoot for when we talk about a budget build. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to mention is if you were out there building this build today on your own or upgrading from an older machine that might be uh, in need of a facelift, the only thing that you really need to consider outside of that is the video card that you wouldn't already have on the shelf like we do. And so I think that we've talked about this before, but today the sweet spots on that are changing a little bit. Your best bang for your buck is still, I believe, the 1070, but for the budget user, the 1050s and 1060s have gotten very attractive in price. 1050s around 100 and a quarter, and the 1060s around 200. And that really depends on what CPU you have. So like we have an X99, so we have the six core high-end desktop sort of CPU architecture. For that kind of build, you'd really want to lean on the higher end. So the 1070 is really where you want to be, or 70 series, so the 970, 980. If you get down into the 1050s or 1060s, then that falls into that 1150X range. One of the other things that we'll talk about if we get a chance is the affordability of previous generation cards like the 970. And Dennis will tell you that uh, we've had a pretty good run of luck picking up some really great aftermarket cards from the 780, 980 run. But we'll save that for another topic. But what I do want to encourage you is if you're building a budget PC, that you definitely want to go out, look at some charts, and determine where bang for your buck is on video card to see if it makes more sense to go previous generation in a 980 or if it makes sense to try to get into a 1060, 1070. A lot of that's going to be budget-based, but those cards are definitely getting available again, and you're getting close to MSRP on them. I know the 1070s are getting back down to around $400 finally. Thank you, Bitcoin miners. So a little patience and a little attention to the used market can find you a great previous generation card. And of course, I don't want to rule out our friends over at AMD with the Radeon cards, but we are still finding that, uh, at least for recommendation, that we would recommend a previous generation NVIDIA in most cases over a current AMD card. 
The exception being, of course, if you're trying to do, uh, you know, render farm stuff, or if you're looking multi-card, multi-core rather, and going AMD just in general. Also, when you go with the NVIDIA cards, you get built-in physics, the game-ready drivers. You know, when a game launches, NVIDIA usually has drivers available. On the AMD camp, you usually have to wait a couple of days for the drivers to get released. Performance-wise, there really isn't a lot that changes when the drivers change, but the optimizations help make the game a little bit smoother, and you can get a little bit more life out of that card. I also want to point out that although it's not as true as it used to be, AMD cards still tend to be more power-hungry and in most cases larger, which means that you need to plan around the space, which doesn't work as well with our build. We have to put a smaller power supply in there because of the size and a smaller video card to allow not only for the space in the case, but for the airflow as well. And that actually brings up a good point about our little budget build because it's in a small case. And right now I'm running that SFXL, but it's only a 500 watt. So really what we need to have to power your 970 is somewhere in the 650 to 750 range. Lucky for us, Silverstone has a small form factor style power supply that will drop in there. Kind of take up the same amount of space, but it's a little bit larger. So that way it will power the video card and the CPU at the same time. And that's a very valid point because that is exactly the kind of thing that might catch up with you as a surprise when you're planning an upgrade. I'm very fond of telling people that the power supply is really the foundation for your entire build. If you don't have a good power supply, you're going to have just a tremendous amount of really minor issues that build up over time because you don't have quite enough power to handle your peak. You might be getting brownouts that are hard for your equipment that create errors that are just maddeningly difficult to track down. And worse, if you're not powering everything at peak potential, you could be harming your hardware or ending its life much sooner than normal. How is it that you can tell when you don't have enough power from your power supply? Do you know? Don't you stick your tongue on it? No, that's the <laughs> 9-volt batteries, actually. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. No, don't, it, don't try that at home, guys. <laughs> the, uh, the power supply, and unfortunately, this is one where if you buy a power supply and then you upgrade your system and then you notice things then you need to go buy a new PSU. But if you're buying new hardware, you should be able to kind of plan out how much power you're going to need. You know, use some of those online power calculators or whatever. But right. if you have an existing system and you start hearing the power supply fan ramp up, or if you touch the power supply and it's actually physically warm, they should never be warm these days, at least with the 80 plus ratings, then you're drawing way too much power through that thing. And that's just no good. No good. You can buy very cheaply. Also, aftermarket power meters that will sit between your PC and the wall and talk to you about how much power it's using to give you an idea of where your current system is. Dennis makes a great point. When you're starting with an OEM thing, we talked a lot about this in the podcast for the Stealth build. They tend to build those machines with just the bare amount of power to save money. That's one of the areas that they cut cost in to keep those OEM PCs so affordable. Most of the time when you're upgrading an OEM, the very first thing you want to look at is how much power do you have and how clean is it? Well, for instance, that Core 2 Quad that was in there before, it had a 300-watt power supply in there. That just seems mind-numbingly low, but in that generation, that's all you needed to power that and that uh, little multimedia video card that was in it. (laughs) Can you imagine putting that 5820K on that? That'd be crazy, especially with the 970. Yeah, I uh, I think it would not actually start. Well, before we leave the power supply completely behind in this conversation and move on, I do want to point out that when you're buying a card and you're matching it to a power supply, it's not just about wattage. You also want to look at efficiency, and Dennis kind of touched on this already. But these days, you should not be getting anything that isn't at least 80 bronze rated. I want to cut back, though, 
and talk about this i7-5820K because if I were listening to the podcast, I'd be going, well, why are you talking about it? How come you didn't just buy it? Well, we bought it because we're doing an upgrade, but that brings up an interesting point because between Haswell E, there's been Broadwell E, there's been KB Lake, there's been Skylake, there's the X or the X series, which is KB Lake X and then Skylake X, and now we have... Coffee Lake or Java Lake or Expresso or something? Coffee Lake is right. Now, this is a very disruptive time out there, which is kind of why we're glad that we held off on buying this purchase because it's become enough of an interesting discussion since we're going to be looking at new RAM and a new processor anyway to say to ourselves, well, hold on. This Coffee Lake Intel processor is a game changer. Yeah. So uh, let's step back just a slightly. So KB Lake. That was released. Do you happen to remember when? Two years, right? No. Three years. No. I feel like I'm playing bingo. <laughs> uh, CES 2017. 2017. That was like so much longer ago. That, that was nine months ago. Wow. So basically Intel had the Coffee Lake baby. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to Intel's credit, between the time that KB Lake had been released, we saw the release of Ryzen. Ryzen had these six, eight-core CPUs. They were relatively inexpensive. They were getting all sorts of press because they were inexpensive. Uh, AMD people were like, oh, my God, we have a new AMD processor. It's totally awesome. It's got more cores than Intel. It's got the hyper-threading, which is the Intel. Uh, I forget what it was called. But but anyway, yeah. the, the market said, oh, my gosh, AMD is back. They're finally challenging Intel. And best bang for your buck. And that's even before they put out Threadripper. Yeah, Threadripper. So here's the thing, though. We talked about this in previous podcasts, which we like to bring these up again. The Ryzen isn't much faster per core clock or per clock than a Core i5 and the current Intel scheme of things. The real power is the fact that it has multiple cores wrapped on top of it. And the architecture allows you to scale with cores. That's why we have Threadripper and its amount of cores that it has. But then you have the consumers that don't really pay attention to that. They just say, oh, Ryzen has eight cores. What does Intel have? Four. Hmm. We go with bigger is better, right? Yeah, bigger is always better. Wait, no, no. That's why that Threadripper processor is so dang big. Yeah, yeah. So now we have, um, I would say, and a lot of reviewers would probably agree, we have the Ryzen response, which is Coffee Lake. Yeah, yeah. And some people are saying it's basically a KB Lake refresh. I would tend to agree. It has the same sockets, 1151, but it's electrically incompatible, meaning that... Dun, dun, dun. You have to buy another motherboard. Yes, a new motherboard. Dang it, Intel. A 300 series motherboard. So, what, nine months to buying the KB Lake stuff? I don't and now we know have to how buy the it. manufacturers keep up because right now we're supporting, what, three new socket sets just this year, right? And that's just on the Intel side? Yeah, so we have uh, 1151A or whatever, which is the KB Lake and Skylake stuff from before. Right. We have the 2066, which is the KB Lake K or X, and then the Skylake X, which is the high-end desktop stuff, the stuff I really like. And now we have another version of the 1151 on the 300 series, which you know somebody's going to try to buy that motherboard and then put a KB Lake on it and it's not going to work. Well, at least this time the boards were available when the processors were released. So you didn't have to, you know, 
struggle with the chicken before the egg thing, which was kind of what happened with AMD. There were only a handful of boards when they first came out with the Ryzen, and they're really only now coming to maturity as far as features. Yeah, that's true. Very true. So if we go to the Wikipedia page here, um, you know, we'll just pull up what other people find true, right? Uh, We have uh, the predecessor, which is KB Lake. They call it optimization. We have Coffee Lake. And then the next one will be Cannon Lake, which will be a process improvement. Now they're just making stuff up, right? Is there really a Coffee Lake? Um, You know, let's look. We'll check the Googles real quick. Hey, what do you know? Coffee Lake is a 48-acre lake located in Bayfield County. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. It has a maximum depth of 16 feet. That seems like not much of a lake. Right, okay. Um, It's got fish, including panfish, largemouth bass, northern pike, and walleye, which, okay, great. And the lake's water is moderately clear. So who knows what intel people are picking these things. But now looking at this, I'm thinking fish names. Like northern pike would have been kind of maybe a cool processor name. All right, maybe next generation. All right, so um, getting back to our discussion here, we have the KB Lake Refresh versus Coffee Lake. in this little paragraph here, it was talking about Intel stated that the eighth generation would be based on multiple archi- microarchitectures, sound familiar, including KB Lake R, Coffee Lake, and Cannon Lake. So we're going to have a resurgence of KB Lake with an R, not an X. Revisited? Revised? Revised. Something. Radical. <laughs> something. Uh, what, oh, wait, no. Uh, resurrection? Oh, resurrection. Like risen? Wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We'll probably have to cut that. Uh, (laughs) So, but we have with the Core X, we have multiple microarchitectures. We have the KB Lake and also Skylake, which are kind of old, so to speak. So now we have multiple architectures with this generation, this eighth generation. But when we get down into the meat and potatoes of what we have, Core i3, quad-core processor. Core i5, hex-core processor. Core i7 hex core hyperthreaded processor. This seems like a perfect gaming sort of CPU configuration. Six cores, turbo 2.0 or whatever at 4.2 gigahertz. Comes with some crazy graphics, which gamers don't really care about. And a 9 meg level 3 cache, which is great for about 16 gigs of memory. Nice. And then the Core i7 just seems to be, you know, hyperthreaded. But we're hitting 4.7 on the turbo boost. And, you know, that's pretty close to 5 gigahertz. That's not too bad. And yeah, then we that's have a, a big bump from a 3.7 base clock rate. Yeah, we have a 12 meg level 3 cache. The thing is, I'm looking at these specs. They look a lot like that Haswell E that we're looking at on eBay right now. <laughs> yeah, they do. And we haven't even talked price point because that i5-8400, the regular 8400, is a sub-$300 processor at launch. Yeah, let's see. We pull up an Antec, right? $190. Oh my gosh, that just screams budget. Yeah, that's well, that's not the K edition, so that's non-overclocking, which is also great, but if you add the overclocking, that's 260 so what, you know, an extra $70. But we spent so much time talking about power supplies. I just want to talk about the TDP on that 8400 too, because we are talking about this being maybe the best budget gaming processor on the market. And the more I look at it, the more I think that I might agree because you don't necessarily need the overclocking as a common gaming build today. So you're saving, oh, about $70, but it's a 65-watt TDP. Yeah. That's, 65 watts, Dennis. Yeah, that's definitely like old, thin, Intel kind of cooler style. You don't even need to use an all-in-one for that. And... 
since it's only 65 watts, it's not going to be impacted by the crappy thermal compound that they are still using. So, right. you know, under the lid, we just have some Tim. It's not soldered anymore. That is going to uh, not put so much heat in there. It's not going to have a heat load. It won't have, you know, a ramping problem. It's It seems great. It does seem great. Now you're getting your six cores and you're getting your six lanes of hyper-threading, so effectively 12, right? Well, no, that's in the i7. That's in the i7. Oh, that's what I'm looking at here. Yeah. So maybe let's talk about that. So you're tuning into the architectural portion of the show, and you're thinking, but, Darren, I'm a enthusiast, and you're talking about a mainstream budget gaming processor, and I'm already taking a nap, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you shouldn't be, because if we look at the top dog, which is the i7-8700K, Coffee Lake, we should call this one double shot probably because it's a 3.7 like we said, still only 95 watts, but I want to talk about the price because this is at launch. Good luck getting one of these. Newegg has this at 379.99. That's less than 400 bucks for the i7K edition premium processor. Now this is only a A6. We're not getting insane core counts like we did in some of our other friends, mm-hmm. but as a primary user, even most enthusiasts, this is going to be so much processor for you. How does it stack up, though, with today's top dogs? Well, let's see. If we go, you know, I haven't been able to run any benchmarks, so we're relying on some of our other hardware sites out there. Let's go to um, PC Gamer real quick. PC Gamer. The mainstream gurus right now, these guys are kind of like the times or forbes of the gaming market so big dogs mm-hmm. not necessary enthusiast based so they're not overclocking but you can get a good idea of where things sit by going there we'll okay. tell you soon how fast it really is yeah so we have a system set up with their um 8700k overclocked on a gtx 1080 tie running battlefield one at around 180 frames a second whoa battlefield one that's my game now this is what's interesting. They have a Core i9-7960X running the same game, same configuration, 165 frames per second. That's what? over a $1,000 processor with quad-channel quad memory, way more cores, and it's not running as fast. Now, that's actually normal. Um, being the enthusiast that I am, I know that the retail CPUs that run dual channel memory are always been faster and able to send data to play games. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop the press. Yes. I don't think we mentioned that before. The Coffee Lake is dual channel memory? Yes, it's dual channel. Oh. We mentioned that before? No, we we glazed over that portion of it. That is huge. And you talked about performance already, but we didn't talk about price. And I'm all about price because now you're winning me over. Okay, so let's restate it. So we have the, um, we go back to the 5820K that we're talking about buying on eBay, right? Yes. Quad channel, it requires the X99 motherboard and requires four memory sticks. If you go into the Core X series, that's the X299 stuff, the new high-end desktop, you could get a 7740X that's dual channel memory. That chipset is really designed for quad channel, though. Right. So if you get the Core i9 7900, 7960X, whatever, 10 cores, hyper-threaded quad channel memory. But with Coffee Lake, we have hex cores, six cores. It's on 1150 
1151 on the socket type, dual channel memory, because it's that retail mainstream chip design. So Dennis, if I were looking at memory today and I wanted 16, the sweet spot for a Windows 10 gaming machine yes. still, uh-huh. and I was just going to get 21, 33, maybe 3K memory at the most, mm-hmm. I think you know where this is going. Yep. Quad core memory, expensive, dual core memory, not... He's Googling. He's Googleizing. So we get some good, nice DRAM from a major manufacturer. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding me. That's mm-hmm. 8 gigs, so 16 gigs. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Let's, let's narrow this down here. Hold on. We're Googling. Do, do, do. I'm seeing right around 100 bucks. Oh, my gosh. Good performance stuff, 151. So you're saving money on your RAM, at least $50 for a set because you're going with less sticks. Yeah, going with less sticks. So you only need two to get your 16 gigs. $200 processor, Core i5, right? Right. You have, obviously, the cost of the motherboard, whatever that's going to be. Sure, but you're getting 50 bucks back from your RAM. Instant rebate. Oh, you get to Hardware Asylum. You're getting more than that, actually. Uh huh. I mean, because if we're going to go quad then, um, yeah, it's close to $300 to get a quad channel kit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's your motherboard right there, as long as you don't get too crazy, or at least mm-hmm. a good chunk of it. You definitely don't need a super over-the-top cooling solution. You know, obviously, the one that we have in the box right now, perfect. Right now, if you didn't get the K, you'd even get one in the box, right? I believe that's how that works. I'm oh, not... I hate to recommend an OEM cooler, but it's an option. It's an option. Well, it's 65 watts. You don't need anything else. That's the thing. So... Overall, what we have here is a six-core KB Lake refresh, so to speak, CPU that is taking on the high-end desktop market, which is really where Intel has its bread and butter, where enthusiasts like myself and Mr. Darren here, we love that processor platform, mostly because it's really, it's overkill. We have insane memory bandwidth. We have lots of cores to go and do multiple multi-threaded stuff. But it doesn't play games as efficiently as the mainstream stuff. And it's because games were written for quad-core systems. It was designed for the mainstream. It was designed for the 90% of people out there that have these mainstream machines. So, Dennis, if I'm understanding correctly, what you're telling me is I can gain performance, save money, reduce my heat, reduce my power needs, Mm -hmm. compete with the big dogs. Mm Mm-hmm. And do it all for less than 600 bucks. Is that what I'm hearing? You know, I, I hate to admit it, but yes. Folks, I think that I'm going to have to revisit my budget bill because I think that we have just talked our way into recommending that Coffee Lake is the way to go if you're upgrading today. I think we both agree. I think if you do the research, you will tell. But definitely come drop us a line and tell us what you ended up with in your build and why you made that decision. Good luck. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2017. Thanks for listening.